All right, how many are ready for Mission Sunday? Make some noise. Come on. I see some people staying back for the second service. I am so excited. Are you excited for what God's going to do in this service? I'm excited. Woo! Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm so excited. I'm excited. I just can't hide it. Come on, come on. Where's my wife? I know that you want me. Man, uh, Ricky, put up that slide for me, por favor. We are so honored today to have Jean and Tisa Nicole here with their three beautiful children. They are missionaries in South Africa. They are with the IRIS Mission Movement with Heidi and Roland Baker. They started off years ago. They've been doing this now, I think, for over a decade, 10-plus years. They have a wonderful testimony of God keeping them safe through many dangerous situations, God providing through for them through many difficult times. They are going to encourage us with what it means to be a living, active missionary. Some of the things that they do that are so amazing is they have a children's village where they bring in children that don't have homes and they give them families. They also also minister to women on the streets who might be selling their bodies and they give them dignity and jobs. They do so much in the community and at the same time they are pressured by the world they live in just like us but even more so because of poverty, bandits, uh, things that happen in these countries. One of the first things that happened when they moved to South Africa was someone tried to break into their house and had a gun at their window and Jean hit the floor and it was funny for for them because I guess at that time the guy could have just pointed down from the window and still shot them. But all the first thing he thought was just to dive to the ground. But in all seriousness, those are the problems that they have faced. Another problem that they've told us about is, you know, here we have a gate to come into our church where people have stolen their gate to get money for the gates. Could you imagine that? People stealing the gate from your church just to get the money from it on top of all the other challenges that they face. But my friends, they are my heroes. I believe missionaries need to be the heroes again of our churches. We need to look up to them. We need to have pictures like this on our children's walls, not pictures of transformers or sports stars. Who cares if somebody can take a wooden bat and hit a ball over a fence? These are my heroes. Are you listening? So would you stand up to your feet? Let's give a good Metro Praise International. God bless you to Tisa and Jean Nicole. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you all this morning. I'm um, really excited what the Lord's going to do this service. We had a powerful service earlier this morning. Um, I'm just going to turn it over to my wife uh, to share a little bit of, about what we do in South Africa. And so, yes, we are. We're so honored. You know, we can't do what we do if it, you know, if we don't have a global family that's really standing with us. And, you know, how will they hear unless, you know, we preach? Well, how will we preach unless we're sent? And we're so blessed to be sent by you. And, um, yeah, and uh, there's, a, as, as Joe mentioned, you know, we, we came to South Africa in 2009 to pioneer Children's Village, really just um, believing God to, to, to be able to um, 
I mean, we, we have a, a global orphan crisis, amen? You know, but it's really just fatherlessness, you know, everywhere. And, and, and the beauty of, you know, God is, he puts the lonely in families. He takes the orphan and he makes him a son, makes, makes her a daughter. And uh, yeah, so we, we love what we do at Michael's Children's Village. There's one testimony that just kind of came to my heart while we were worshiping. And, you know, I want to I wanna make it real for you because sometimes when you see the pictures and you hear our testimonies, you think, you know, and we're sharing that we have problems because we, we definitely have lots of challenges. But the reality is, is every single, you know, child that God brings to us um, has been through horrific circumstances usually. Um, and it's not pretty. They're kids. Or they're youth. A few years ago, two of the young ladies got really mad at each other, and one of them put a, um, a pot of water on, on the stove to boil. And then she called for the other girl to come into the room, and then she threw that boiling water on her. And I get a phone call, you know, Mama Jesus, we all rush in. Here's one of our, our precious girls, you know, with you know, burns all over her body, and we're praying for her, and, you know, and <clears throat> she was three weeks in the hospital, you know, and, and, and we believe, you know, even the doctor said it's a miracle that there wasn't, you know, even worse burns than, than what had happened, but, but check out how, how, how amazing God is in this, that very night, as she's laying in her hospital bed, and she's just been burned on her body, her heart is breaking for the girl that did it to her. And here, the girl that had done it, you know, we had to put her on a bit of a watch because we knew the enemy was just going to go to town on her, you know, and just, yeah, you know, what she just did, just the weight of it was really falling on her. And how can we love her through this and not give up? but love her well and see breakthrough. And so the young lady that was in the hospital wrote a beautiful letter to her saying, I forgive you, you're my sister, and, and, and I want you to come and visit me because I want to tell you how much I love you. How awesome is that? Amen? And so I share that story just to, to be able to encourage us in the realities of the, the battle, you know? It's not pretty. Anytime we're fighting for people, anytime we're loving people, it's messy <laughs> and it's real, but we win if we don't give up. And, and, and if we do our part, if we love, if we, if we call forth heaven, if we pray for the sick, you know, God does his part. He's the one who heals. He's the one who saves. He's the one that transforms. But as we partner with him, amen? And each of us, each of us is so amazingly powerful if we can just take our place. And often people, you know, we're, we're, we're so blessed to be able to come here and be honored, you know. Um, as, as missionaries, we know that each of us is a missionary. Yeah, we, we live in Africa. That's our little neck of the woods. That's where he's called us. But each of you is, as you say yes to him, and as you go forth into your school or into your workplace, and I know we know this, because I, I know that you guys know this. I know Joe. <laughs> but oh, that we would know this. Oh, that we would have a revelation of, 
of each of us knowing how, how incredibly important that God looks down and says, you, you, my dearest, shine for, for me. And you, you know, the ones that he has around you are so dear to his heart. And so, yeah, we're so, we're so blessed. Um, we, we help oversee the children's village. We have a community ministry that's thriving. Thank you. The community ministry, we have a Bible school where local leaders can come and get trained and discipled and sent forth. Also with church planting, you know, we do um, evangelism and then, um, yeah, we, 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 we come alongside a local pastor to be able to plant churches. We have a hospital ministry that just seems to be exploding. We have the dignity ministry. And so it's really just asking, what does love look like? And so when I'm so encouraged to hear some of the ways that God is doing that right here, you know, with um, the gang outreach, with the youth, with the kids, keep asking that question. Amen? Keep just beautifully just going where no one else will go. You know, in Chicago, the nations are right here. And so as we're faithful to reach the nations he's brought to us, and there's that aspect of the go. If you're faithful in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the world. So thank you. We love you. Are you going to preach while holding her? No. I had her to sleep, though. I got to preach holding her on Father's Day. I believe it was a prophetic picture, how much our Father loves us and wants us to hear his heartbeat, because we're all on a journey to find the heartbeat of our Heavenly Father, and he's taking each and every one of us on a different journey, amen? Well, I want to thank Pastor Joe and Nancy for inviting us here for your faithful love and support and prayers. I can't believe it's been since 2008. I actually thought it was 2010. It's been nine years since we've been with you. And we're making, by the grace of God, we're making a promise to visit at least every two years. By the grace of God. Just to, and the reason we come and the reason we do what we do, it's not just to raise support. It's to visit family and friends because everything in the kingdom of God is relationship. Number one, first and foremost, your relationship with your father in heaven and then your relationship with your friends. It's your vertical and your horizontal relationship, it's the cross. It's what Jesus said. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. So everything in the kingdom is relationship. And the most important relationship you have is the one with your Father in heaven. It's with Jesus. It's with the Holy Spirit. Everything flows from intimacy with him. You cannot give what you don't have. I can say I'm going to give each one of you a $100 bill, but if I don't have a $100 bills or how many ever people are here, I can't do it. If I don't have the love of God in me, I can't give that away. If I don't have the word of God in me, I can't give that away. So the reason we're here, it's found in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And the writer of the Hebrews, he says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. 
So we're here to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as we see the day approaching. So the reason we gather together as family, it's because of relationship. It's to encourage one another. It's to stir one another up for love and for good works. So when you come, you're either coming and you have a need or you should be coming to give. You're coming to church with a purpose, not only just to worship Jesus, but you're coming as a corporate gathering to stir up love. You're, and love is an action word. Love looks like something. It's tangible. Find a brother or sister that has a need and you meet the need. In Africa, when we were in Mozambique, love looked like a roof for a widow's house that we helped build. Love looks like something. 2008, wow, I can't believe it's been nine years. And you know what? In that period of time, five kids, you guys had five kids, we had three. But we went through some seasons. You know, in your journey with God, in your journey with the heartbeat of your father, you go through seasons. You go through difficulties. You go through challenges. We moved to South Africa in April of 2009. Now, when we first moved to South Africa, they asked us to pioneer the children's village we were talking about, and we moved into the community called Backdoor, where we were the only pale folk living in the community. There was no running water. It was seven years before we got running water to our house, and that only lasted for two or three months because of the elections. So we have a water tank. They come and fill it. But we live in the community, and we were the only people in the community that don't have a fence around their house because God wouldn't let me put a fence around my house. Everybody else has fences. You have burglar bars. You have butler doors. We didn't know this till two years ago, but the neighborhood we live in was considered a no-go zone. Does anybody know what a no-go zone is? The police would not even go there after dark. It was a no-go zone. We didn't know that. We would go into the city. People would ask us, where are you from? Oh, we live in back door. They say, no, no, you have an accent. You're not. And then when we told them, no, we live in back door, they would look at us like we had three heads, like we're crazy. But where God sends you, it's the safest place to be. It's to be in his will. It doesn't matter if you're living in the projects, if you're living in the worst area of Chicago. It doesn't matter. You're in the will of God. You're abiding in his presence. You're having relationship with him. It's to be found in him. And through our season of being in South Africa, we had some challenging seasons. Very, very challenging seasons. There was a period of between 2000, December of 2012 to December of 2014, in those two years, I was hospitalized five times and had three major surgeries. I was sick more than I was well. I was not a fun person to be around. Literally, those years when we came home to minister, Tisa did the preaching. 
because I wasn't in a good place to be preaching and ministering the word of God. I wasn't always this happy and fired up for Jesus. We went through seasons, through challenges. But I'll tell you what happened. What happened is a transformation that happened through renewing my mind. And I want to share a little bit of the story, but I want to read the scripture from Romans 12, 2. In the New King James Version, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Oh, that's the NIV. Okay, that's good, too. Let me read it in the Passion Translation. It says, Stop Listen to this, because this is what's happening in our culture around us. Stop imitating the ideals. Brother Joe, you're going to love this. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's pretty powerful. I want to read it one more time. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. You know, this is most of our problem is our biggest problem is right here. It's how we think. It's thinking, thinking. And so what happened with me is I began to think differently. I simply began to think differently. I finally realized that people were not my problem. That my problem wasn't people around me. My problem was me and my stinking thinking. And I got to the point of desperation where I petitioned the Lord. And I said, Lord, would you allow me to go on an extended fast? Because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I, I didn't even like myself. I didn't even want to be around myself. I can't imagine what other people were thinking. You can ask my wife. She'll testify. It was a rough two years. And it was all because of improper, stinking thinking. And I can remember in 2009, there was a missionary friend that came. And I actually remember judging her and saying, man, this person is negative. And she's talking negative bad all the time. And literally, I became that person. Be careful about your judgments and the judgments that you make towards people. And I've since repented of that. But literally, it was so difficult. Those years were like, and, and then when I was on this extended fast, I came across with a little book by Marilyn Hickey called Meditation. Meditation. And I began to meditate in the word of God. So the question is, how do we renew our mind? How do we change the way we think? Number one, by reading the word of God. Number two, by changing the way we think. 
Number three, by meditating in the word of God. Number four, by setting our mind on things above. And number five, by knowing your purpose, your identity, who you are in Christ. And I'll develop a little bit on each one of these by the grace of God as time will permit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So how do we renew? By reading the word of God. My prayer for all of you is, is that he would give you such a hunger for the word of God. It's that word of God that will transform you. You know, in John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, he said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We need to be a people of the word of God, abiding in the word of God. It's the truth of the word of God that sets us free. It helps us discern the lies of the enemy. Because the enemy, the way he works is he enters our thoughts and he get, captures our thoughts and he takes a partial truth and he twists that truth. So we need to be a people of the word of God, rightly discerning the word of God. And it's the truth of the word of God that sets you free. The more you hear the word of God, I spend one to two hours a day praying I, I like to try to spend one or two hours a day in the word of God. If it's not actually reading the word of God, it's listening to messages. It's keeping the word of God in me. You know, the book of Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what you're meditating on, what you're thinking about, will determine what you're going to become like. It's true. I was so sick, and I would meditate on my sickness, and I'm telling you, I was on antibiotics for 12 years, three to five times a year, from sinuses infections and tonsillitis and this and that and the other thing, and I used to dread when I began to get one, because I knew it would be eight or ten days, I would be miserable, you know, and this, there's people that when they're sick, uh, they can put on the happy face, and they dress up nicely, and they can make themselves, and I'm doing great. Brother, praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. But I wasn't one of them. But the transformation happened when I got a hunger for the word of God. And number two, it's when I began to change the way I think. Instead of blaming all the people for my problems, I looked to myself and I realized I was the problem. You know, when John the Baptist came, he came on the scene. He came with a message. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is now. Repent. The Greek word is metanoia. It literally means change the way you think. Stop with your unbelief and start believing. Change the way you think. Stop. With, he was speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people, and he was announcing the coming of the Messiah. He says, there's one that's coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. 
He's coming. He's here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's now. If it was now then, it's now now. We need to change the way we think. We need to stop with our unbelief and start believing. What happens one chapter later, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He comes out of the wilderness and he begins his ministry. What is the first thing he says? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right now. Stop with your unbelief. Start believing. I'm the one the prophets prophesied about. I'm here. It's right here. We got to get out of our head, put on the mind of Christ, set our mind on things above. Where we're seated with him in the heavenly places. Reminds me of a story. So I teach at our Bible college in Backdoor. Right before we left, the first uh, module that I was teaching is our relationship with God. I had 25 students in my class. And I had seven classes in this one particular module with this group. Six of the classes, six of the classes... I told them, and I for three to five minutes, each single time, and I, I, I tried to hammer this home. I told them, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Otherwise, we nullify the work of the cross. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it is finished. There's nothing more we can do to add to our salvation. We've been declared righteous because of the blood that Jesus shed at Calvary. And so I hammered this home. Six classes out of the seven. When I gave the exam, true or false, good works are necessary for salvation. Fourteen people said true. I couldn't believe it. It's been so ingrained, the teaching has been so ingrained that we have to do good works in order to be saved. No, we get to do the good works because we love Jesus. And they've been prepared ahead of time in advance for us to do because we love him. They're not necessary for your salvation. That's freeing. We stand righteous before him because of what Jesus has done. We need to begin to change the way we think. We need to know who we are in Christ, why we're here. You know, I can, and, and learning and teaching, it's progressive. The more I know, the more I realize I don't know. Anybody, the more you think you know about the Word of God, the more I realize, well, I just I'm just scratching the surface. And so we're all on a journey to know him. My prayer is everybody will know him a little bit more after you leave today. And tomorrow, you'll wake up, you'll spend time with him, and you'll know him a little bit more. It's all about knowing him and his purpose for your life. Knowing that you were created in his image. You were created for a purpose, and you have great value.
You were created in the image of God, in his likeness, and you were created to have dominion. You were created to rule and to reign on the earth. How did Jesus pray? Teach his disciples to pray. He said, our father who art in heaven, how will be thy name? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Luke 17, 21, he says, the kingdom of God is not low here, low there. The kingdom of God is in within you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory for Chicago. It's Jesus in you. It's knowing that wherever you go, you're bringing Jesus with you. It's knowing that no weapon formed against you will prosper. It's knowing that the word of God is alive and powerful. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, even the thoughts and the intents of your heart. It's knowing the word of God. The web word is a weapon. Every time you read the word of God, you sharpen your sword so you can cut off the head of the enemy. Every time you sharpen your sword when you read the word of God. It's alive, it's active, and it's powerful. And it's how you defeat the enemy in your life. And by knowing the word of God, by taking your thoughts captive and making them obedient to the word of God, it's how you tear down the strongholds of the enemy. It's how you break those lies of deception. I, I shared it in the first service when Jesus gave us the great commission. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. He took that authority and he transferred us, he transferred it to us and he commissioned us to go. And if Jesus has all authority, how much does the enemy have? None. Zero. The only authority that he has is what you give him when you come into agreement with his lies. Hosea said it best. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, for lack of knowledge of the word of God. It's why the people of God are suffering and going through what we're going through. We shouldn't be living. We need to be the head and not the tail. We should be living a victorious life. And it starts by changing the way we think. It starts by renewing your mind. By reading the word of God. By changing the way we think. And number three, by meditating in the word of God. We need to be a people of the word of God. You know, I was sharing with, with Pastor Joe last night. I was complaining to the Lord that the, our, our support was down last year. And the Lord says, well... You want to increase your support, you just need to increase your giving. He says, if you'll increase your giving by $100 a month, I'll increase your income by 1000 a month. And I put him to the test. I started doing it, and he's actually gone above and beyond. He's gone above and beyond. Joshua 1.8 says it best. Can you pull that up? Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. 
It's not five keys or seven ways to financial prosperity. It's a two-step program. Meditate in the word of God and do what it says. How many people need a breakthrough in finances? Be honest. Raise your hand. This is the answer. The word of God is the answer. Meditate in the word of God day and night. That's not just a five-minute, ten-minute dev devotional in the morning or at night. It's meditating. It's pondering. It's thinking about. Keeping the word of God in your mind, in your heart, throughout the day. And then step two, do what it says. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. The psalmist David, he said the same thing in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. That the man that meditates in the word of God, he'll be like the tree that's planted by the river, bearing fruit in season, and whatever he does will prosper. He shall be planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Do you want to prosper in every area of your life? The key is to be a people of the word of God, meditating in the word of God. And then do what it says. Just do what it says. It's that simple. Meditate in the word. It works. It works. It works, folks. Number four. Set your mind on things above. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Set your mind on things above. It's how you renew your mind. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears. We need to be focused on the things above. On the finished work of the cross. What Jesus already did. What he already accomplished. Not on our problems. Not on our circumstances. Pastor Joe talked about the gate. It was seven, eight weeks ago. They stole the gate, 400 pounds. The reality is the metal is all rusted and there's almost no value to it. And so my old mindset would have said, man, they're stealing again. And I would have started grumbling and complaining and murmuring. My first thought was, open up the gate and let the king of glory come in. It's changing the way you think. It's thinking differently. When we left to come here, we left on March 1st. We left our house at 10 o'clock in the morning, 1030 in the morning. Four-hour drive to the airport. Spent the afternoon with some friends in Johannesburg. Flew out that night at 1030. So now that's already 12 hours. Eight-hour flight to Dubai with an hour-and-a-half-hour layover that became 45 minutes, then a 14-hour flight to Chicago. Then when we arrive in Chicago, a six-and-a-half-hour layover with three kids, seven, four, and eight months at the time. Some of you are saying, oh, my God, you guys are crazy, right? How many of you, that was your thought? 
Be real, be honest. We said this is going to be the epic road trip. I deem this the epic road trip. We're going to have fun, and this is going to be a journey. I didn't say, well, what if our luggage gets lost? What if we miss our connection? Now we got 45 minutes. We're in Dubai. We've never been. We're three terminals over. My wife hears last call for flight 277 to Chicago, and there's no way we're going to make it. So I said, okay, Johanna and I, my oldest, my seven-year-old, we're going to make it. We start running. Her sandals are falling off her feet, so we have to keep going back to pick up her sandals. I said, finally, I said, give me your sandals. Let's go. So we're running to get there. We're almost there. And then they say, final boarding call. And then all of a sudden, my wife drives by in one of those carts and beats us there. That's because my little four-year-old, when we were going, she just quit. Gloria just quit. She went like this. She sat down. She wasn't going anywhere. So, you know, I'm not saying we got the perfect kids. She quit. She wasn't going anywhere. I've driven 11,500 miles on this car, car trip, on this time in America. Now, before we came here, our baby, Victoria... From the birth till seven months, 60 to 70% of the time we would get in the car, she would scream bloody murder. Not just cry, scream bloody murder. And we're planning this epic road trip where we drove from Omaha to Kentucky to Ohio to Pennsylvania to Massachusetts to Florida to Atlanta to New Orleans to Iowa, back to Omaha and up to here. And she was amazing till I started testifying about it the last two weeks. <laughs> I think we were just being tested. But it's how we think. We said, this is going to be fun. And I can remember, we're in Pennsylvania. We're driving to Massachusetts. The two older girls are sleeping. And Victoria is just like talking. And she's cooing and just having a good old time. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, where I hear the Lord say, I sent an angel to play with her. Ah, you know, we have a good father. We have a really good father. And sometimes we worry about stuff that we really don't need to worry about. And he's a big God, and he's got everything in his hands. He takes care of everything. He'll take care of your needs. Whatever your needs are. Whatever your challenges are. So now, I don't have any more problems. I have challenges. I have opportunities to overcome. It's not that it's gone away. It's actually increased. There's, there's more issues and stuff that we have to deal with. But what's changed is my perspective. I'm setting my mind on things above, on what's eternal, Focusing on people before projects, relationships, investing in people, making disciples, seeing people's lives transform through the love of God. I shared earlier how it was a no-go zone. Now back door where we live, it's transformation is happening in the community. And how does it happen? By loving one person at a time. It's stopping for the one. It's loving the one that God puts in front of you.
Now our community is being blessed. Two out of every ten houses, people are adding on to their houses. The community is being transformed. And it's because one man, Pastor Surprise, he went into the community on the call of God. He built a house. He lived in the community. He paid the price. He counted the cost. He paid the price. When he first went there, they used to put nails under his tires. Once a month, he was having to get his tires fixed. He would go to church. Two out of every four Sundays going to church that he planted, he would come back and his house would have been robbed. It's changing the way you think. While we were here, our house was robbed back home. They broke into our house. And, and the cool testimony is this. We didn't get upset. We found out it was three kids, a nine-year-old, a four-year-old, and a, three, a three-year-old were involved in this. And our neighbor, who's very protective, he wanted to issue community justice. He goes, I can... I can punish them if you want. Can you punish them? Do you understand that saying? I can punish them. Or I can hurt them or I can beat them. But the, the Camilla who's staying in our house goes with him, goes with him and the kids to their houses. Come to find out the nine-year-old who was spearheading this, her mom has been in the hospital for three months, sick, about to die, and she's crying herself to sleep at night every single night. Camilla goes to the hospital, two or three different occasions, prays for her. Within two weeks, she's released from the hospital and back home with her daughter. Come on. So God can ordain circumstances. You know, he works thing, all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And it's all in how we look at it. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. We're seated with him in the heavenly places. It's our positional authority. And we're far above all the principalities and powers. It's your positional authority. You're above your problems. You're above your circumstances. Set your mind on things above where you're seated with him. And if you're seated, it's a position of authority. In a kingdom, you have a king. He's seated on his throne. And there's one that sits at his right hand, and his name is Jesus. And we're seated with him. Think about that. It's a place of authority. Hallelujah. And number five, we need to know our purpose, that we're a people of purpose. We're a people of destiny. God has purpose in each and every one of our lives. We're, we have a destiny. There's people only you can reach. There's people only you can reach with the love of God. But it comes from knowing who you are in Christ. Who you are in him. It's come from knowing Genesis 1, 26 and 27. That you were created in the image of God. You were created in his likeness to be just like him. And 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. So if you're created in his image, it means you were created for love. 
You were created for love, not just to receive the love of God, but to become the love of God, to become his hands, his feet, his mouth, wherever you go. It's your purpose. It's your identity. And it's knowing who you are in him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. The, so Jesus came not to die to give us a ticket to go to heaven. He came to restore us, to reconcile us back to the Father, back to the image of the one we were created in and created for. The very God who created the world. We were created in his image and his likeness. We were created for love. We're sons and daughters. Sons and daughters in whom he's well pleased, in whom he takes great delight. We have a purpose. And our purpose in our destiny is to love him and love his people. It's what I shared the first service, the great commandment. It's your statement, love God and love people. It's that simple. But it comes when we know who we are. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So love gives. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't behave rudely. Love suffers long. It keeps no record of wrongs. Husbands, wives, you can't remind your spouse about what they did. And then tell them you love them. How can you do that? Because love keeps no record of wrongs. Wow, I went for a walk this morning and the Lord said, I was thinking about something I shouldn't have been thinking about. And he says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Your brother, your enemy is your not your neighbor who offended you. It's not the person that defriended you on Facebook. That's not your enemy. You have an enemy, and that's the devil. You have an enemy. Sometimes it's your mind. It's your own stinking thinking. Sometimes we are our worst enemies. We have to know who our enemy is. And we're soldiers in the army of the Lord. And every time you read his word, you sharpen your sword for battle. And if you look at the armor of God, they're all defensive weapons except for one. Reading the word of God. It's your sword to go into battle. And if you look at it, there's no armor on the back. There's nothing covering your back. Because the kingdom of God is advancing. Isaiah said it best. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The government of God and the peace of God is increasing. I do not care what's happening around the world. All these things about ISIS and all the craziness that's happening. I'm telling you, there's more Christians alive today than there ever has been. And the kingdom of God, the government of God is advancing. And the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent will take it by force. It's why we're here. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we love you.
Father, we thank you for the revelation of Jesus. I want, as an act of faith, I want everyone to lay hands on their head. Come on. Holy Spirit, help us to change the way we think. By reading the word of God. By changing the way we think. By meditating in the word of God. And by setting our mind on things above. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the good work you've begun in me, that you'll be faithful to complete it. I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Joe. We're available for prayer. Amen. We're going to dismiss in just a second. When we do, you will be free to go. Uh, Rudy, would you move this for me, please? And to get your children and enjoy your day, we'll see you at the life groups. But those who want prayer, we want you to be able to come and receive prayer from these wonderful missionaries. God brought them here to give us a word and to impart to us what God has been doing in their life. So I know many of you want to receive prayer. We'll be worshiping. And so it's not about a man. So if they don't get to you, just worship and pray. Put your eyes on Jesus because he'll do the work in you. Amen. And then those who want to give, uh, I've been looking at the online giving. I would guess we're right about there at the 2500 But if you still want to give, let's give them more than enough so that they'll remember how generous Metro praise and international is amen so if you still want to give you can drop it off in that that gift box in the back metro praise international make checks out to that we'll get it to them circle offering or go online if you have a card we'll meet you there in the kiosk area buy our shirts we just want to send them with the best gift possible i believe that this is how we change the world amen if we can't go we send our prayers and our gifts with those who can go amen Father, we thank you for bringing the Nicoles here today. We pray you bless them. We pray you bless Africa. We pray you save souls through these children's villages and all that they're doing for your name and for your glory. We pray that lives will never be the same again, that people will know their identity. They will be sons and daughters. And that, Lord, now we will receive the heavy revy we got today and live it out in the image of Christ, having a renewed mind, being metamorphosized, transformed. We are your transformers on this earth from sinners to saints and everybody said amen god bless you you are dismissed if you want to pray with us just come on up the band is going to worship altar workers help us and gene and tisa come on up and let them pray for you just line up this way they'll come to you thank you god bless you have a wonderful day if you got to go Otherwise, hang out with us for a little bit. Oh, and I believe. Oh, Lord, bless every person coming for prayer today. Bless those that have to go, Lord. We want to live for you, God, 110% with all we got. We love you, Jesus.
Let's sing it from the beginning. Let's sing a verse. Come on. Jesus, you predestined me for adoption, for the praise of God, of your glory, for adoption. That's what their ministry is doing, is adopting. Do you believe you're adopted today? You're a precious son or daughter. Glorious grace lavished on us. Come on, let's sing this verse again. You predestined me. I've got a purpose and a plan. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless everyone today, God. Oh, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let's sing this one more time. You've captured my heart. And then we're going to lift up a shout to God. Come on, sing it out. And then we're going to give a shout to God for his love today. There's no end to the depths of your love. Oh, you've captured. Come on, sing it out and then get ready to lift up your voices. Limitless. One, two. Three, lift up your voices. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voices. Don't stop. Don't stop. Lift up your voices. Lift up your voices. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, 30 more seconds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Come on, don't get tired. 15 more seconds. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. You love us. Five more seconds. Shout out to God with the voice of victory. Every enemy is defeated. Oh, you can. Come on. Just the drum, sing it out. Oh, you've captured my heart with your love. Come on, if you can't put them hands together. Victory shout, you ready? One, two, three, shout! Jesus, there is no one like you today, God. Jesus, Jesus, 
Jesus. Today we believe we are who God said we are. We can do all that God said we can do. Come on, Jesus. Transformation. Metamorphosis. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Come on, just talk to the Lord in your own words as they're praying right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your eyes upon upon us. Oh, God, your gaze. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for, re for removing the veil and letting us see with unveiled faces. I just feel like he's, he's taking the veil off and saying, you are beautiful. You're so beautiful and you're mine. And I won't share you. You are mine. You are mine. <laughs> I want you. I've chosen you. And you are mine. So thank you, Lord. We say yes, Lord. We are yours. We are yours. Teach us how to never look away. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. 